with the NBA playoffs coming back, something we're going to be seeing a lot is every player's fresh new cut. But you know what else needs a fresh new cut? Your lawn. That's why you should hit up Tavon's Lawn Care. Tavon's Lawn Care LSC is a black family-owned business located in York, Pennsylvania. Tavon's Lawn Care, or TLC for short, since they provide each job with tender love and care, has been in business for over 10 years. Founded by owner Tavon Parker, TLC aims to provide employment for underprivileged youth while providing great service at a reasonable rate. Visit Tavon's Lawn Care LLC or Tavon's Lawn Care on Facebook and Instagram to view their portfolio and request your cost-free quote today. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the All In Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, uh, Eli Cooper, and I'm joined by my other co-host, as always, Mike Badzik. How you doing today, man? Doing good. Uh, loving this NBA action. This, uh, these quadruple headers are awesome for us working from home folk. Yeah. Uh, in the background, I'm still getting my work done, of course, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of games going on in the background. It's a pretty awesome time right now, man. It is. I enjoy it, um, especially for someone who's also working at home, catching these games in the afternoon is great. Uh, but before we get to that, we also have to mention that our NBA analyst, Todd Fetzko, is joining us today. My guy, Todd, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. I am loving this. Like you guys said, the quadruple headers, I'm, I'm in heaven right now. Yeah, so right now as we're recording, uh, Toronto and Brooklyn are finishing up currently. As you can see, Mike has it on his screen. We just won. We just won. We just won. It's over. It's Toronto over. just won. sealed the deal with a Norman Powell turnover and dunk. Yep. And uh, so Denver and Utah, who had an, a very exciting first game, will be coming up after that. Yeah. Uh, but we have some other topics to get into today. Uh, all the game ones of the – NBA playoffs are in the books. Game twos are starting today, as you can see. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about some overreactions uh, that we're seeing uh, throughout the playoffs. But first, we're going to start with uh, a recent article, which was uh, written on The Athletic by Ethan Strauss, um, which was in reference to the ratings problem that the NBA is currently having, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and – mentions that it had started pre-pandemic and this is actually something that's been you know talked about really over the last couple of years um it's been a topic of discussion for the nba as their largest you know revenue income comes from their massive tv deals um so mike what were your thoughts um on the article and really on the situation in general yeah it was really good piece by ethan strauss that was on the athletic um, you know, I think it's a problem for the NBA. There's something going on here and, you know, we can list the reasons why it might be going on. I think there are some strong mitigants to say that, although the game is very popular and I think it is a growing game. I think we all probably would agree that it is a growing game and it's a well-run league. No matter if that's the case, this is still a problem because this, like you said, Eli, this is where they make the majority of their money. Uh, in these huge TV deals, and they have a big one coming up soon that they're looking to renew with TNT and ESPN. And if they don't get the revenue off of that TV deal, well, that's going to have serious impacts on the salary cap. Uh, that's going to have serious impact on how they operate in the in the arenas. 
um, the production of how, how we, we see the games, the schedule of the games. Um, and, and you couple that, or the declining ratings from people at home not watching, couple that with a pandemic that is, you know, causes this shutdown to where they're already going to be losing a ton of money. And now going into next year, I don't think that they're expecting to have, you know, definitely not full capacity um, arenas, probably, you know, at max 25%. So you're going to lose more money that way. This is an issue, um, you know, and, and it's not just, you know, I was talking with Todd earlier and we said, you know, is this a pushback on Black Lives Matter? I, that might be part of it. Maybe I would hate to think that that's a part of it, but it might be, you know, but this has actually been a problem that's been going on for quite a while. If you look at this kind of year over year, this has been going on for a while now. I don't know uh, why people, I can tell you me personally watching the games, the regular season games, I don't think they're as enjoyable. I, I don't, I mean, I love the NBA and I watch a ton of games. I mean, you know, and, and I come here and talk about them. I get passionate about them, excited about them. But I can see how an average person who isn't a basketball junkie could watch some of these regular season games and say, eh, this is kind of boring, you know. It's a ton yeah. of threes. And, you know, and the threes, not only are they sometimes less exciting to watch, uh, but also it can cause huge variability in the scores, right? So mm -hmm. if a team shoots 43s and you only make 10 of them, you're probably going to get blown out. If you shoot 43s and you make 25 to 30, you're probably going to blow the other team out. Like there's a lot more blowouts in the past couple of years because of it. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing that I've talked about before, Coop, I'm sure you might remember, is, is this the scoring point guard. Mm -hmm. I, think the, I think the scoring point guard does a lot for this too because, you know, basketball as we knew it, as we grew up knowing it, as the generation before us grew up knowing it was one guy dribbles down, they run a set, Guys are moving, they're passing the ball, a couple, couple different guys touch it, and then, you know, the goal – see, like, this is another generational thing where the goal of basketball was always get the shot you can closest to the hoop. And sometimes that's more aesthetically pleasing, actually, with the passes and the cuts to get a basket closer to the hoop. But when you have a scoring point guard and, – and when I say scoring point guard, I'm including anybody who's dribbling the ball up the court, you know, so that includes Luka and Harden and even, you know, LeBron. He, he's more – he's better with the passing – but other guys, too, are playing point forward and so on. When they're the guys who dribble the ball up the floor, and then they're also the guy who takes the shot after, yeah. you know, 10, 15 seconds of dribbling, if there's not a lot of passes in there, it's not that aesthetic to a lot of people. I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a basketball junkie, I, I, I can understand it. And, mm -hmm. and this is something me and Todd have gone back and forth with, so I'll pass it to him. He's been able to share, you know, how he, he views it as a, as a good part of the game. Uh, but I can understand it. I can understand it from a lot of people's perspectives to, to not be watching these regular season games, especially. Uh, yeah. I mean, my first thought after reading the piece was just worried, honestly, like, like you said, I love the way basketball I thought was heading, you know, just how it is right now. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it, it's up in 2025. If they don't get a similar contract, I mean, we're going to see huge changes to just salary cap, everything you can imagine, totally change the game we love. Mm -hmm. uh, but I agree. My first thought was definitely is the average fan being driven out by the politicization of what's going on in the NBA? Is it black lives matter? Is it other things, you know, from coaches from pop to Kerr to a number of others players have spoken out and is the average fan just, are there more shut up and dribble fans than maybe we were led on to believe? 
but like Mikey was saying, it's been going on now. I believe the piece said from 2011 to 2012 is when we're talking about the numbers really dropping or from that period on. And so I, I can't say that I necessarily believe that that's the cause. I think what we're seeing is like Mike was saying, I think the regular season doesn't have the same impact. Maybe it's too many games. I think that the, the lack of rivalries necessarily like in football, you've got the divisions that that is yep. really huge games every time. I mean, every week, just in general, because there's less games, but the divisions really drive, you know, the, the rivalries and stuff that people really want to tune into. And I think the lack of that, we do have the player rivalries, no doubt. And mm -hmm. we love tuning into those, but maybe average fan, you know, the NBA is more of a national, you know, uh, program. It's more of a nationally televised product than regionally. And I think that, Maybe this is the cause, more games. And I, I am a fan of the play, no doubt. I think the more threes yeah. and even these point forward guys shooting, but I could 100% see, I know plenty of, you know, people from older generations that are completely turned off by what the NBA, you know, is, what it, how the play is going right now, just in general, the feel of the game. And I think that there can't be narrowed down to one thing, but no doubt the NBA, you know, Adam Silver needs to figure something out. There needs to be a change and, Whatever that is, they need to figure it out soon. Yeah, and Coop, before you jump in, I just want to touch on what Todd says about the rivalries and not being, you know, those rivalries. Well, that's kind of, you know, it, it sucks, but that's kind of collateral damage of this player empowerment era is with these mm -hmm. guys always switching teams. You don't have – you don't one, you don't have the same teams who are good over and over and over again. And then you also yeah. don't have – you can't build – like this is something we've talked about is like – you know, baseball is actually doing better than basketball in these regional markets. Nationally, basketball is doing better, but regionally, uh, baseball does better and football does way better. But I think it matters when you have guys on a team for a, a extended period of time and the fans get to know them and they, they buy into their team. It's not just um, let's put the best pieces together we can for this year and then they're gone next year. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's ultimately the biggest problem, is uh, the fan loyalty is dropping um, amongst individual teams. You know, I think you know when you constantly a lot of times, especially when you don't live in a market with a team that's already there. So if you don't, for PA for example, if you don't live in Philly or in that surrounding area, then you kind of pick a team from outside of your market to be a fan of, right? Yeah. And if I, and most people will pick a team with a player that they like. So, you know, for example, our good friend, Sean was a Clippers fan for a while because he liked CP3, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And stuff like that. So that's kind of, but then CP3 moves. So now he's not a Clippers fan anymore. You know what I mean? So, and more casual fans might just lose interest. You know what I mean? When they see a player, you know, flip-flopping teams. Um, so I think that's a big issue. I also do. I agree. I think the play style is, is hurting it the most. I think that's the biggest issue is that um, it's a lot of one guy bringing the ball up, getting a screen at the top of the key. And it, those two guys are essentially doing all the work. You know what I mean? The person mm -hmm. setting the screen and rolling and the person with the ball in his hands. Um, and, you know, I think, like you said, Mike made a strong point that when you see the ball move and you see, you know, people trying to work to get the best shot, uh, the defensive intensity is higher, you know what I mean? Things like that. Um, I think that makes people want to watch and I get it. Like the game is about making your offense as 
you know, most efficient as possible. But I think the NBA like rule changes have favored the offense too much. I think they've lost the balance to where, um, you know, there's, there's a healthy balance between people do want to see scoring. No one wants to see a game in the eighties, but like no one wants to see a game in the one thirties and one forties either. You know what I mean? I think there has to be some kind of balance um, yeah. in that case. And like you said, with, with the high volume of threes that are being taken, there's a lot of blowouts. Um, another big issue that I think is star players resting out on nationally broad on mm. national games. And I think that's the biggest issue because to be completely honest, if I, especially if it's not my team that's playing, I'm going to watch a team, you know, if I'm going to watch these national games, I'm going to watch if their star player is playing. I don't, I don't watch national games if there's not a player that I'm interested in playing simple as that. So and now, because a player can rest on any given night, what's even the point? You know what I mean? Like in, in tuning in if Battle of L.A., if LeBron and Kawhi aren't playing. Right. And that might not always be the case, but it kind of turns you off that players just kind of sit out whenever they, you know, want to or whenever their body's kind of sore. It's like, well, you signed up for this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what you chose. And I get it. You're trying to extend your career as long as possible. But like at the end of the day, your job is an entertainment job and people need to watch. So you got to get out there and do it. Um, So maybe Adam Silver fixes this with a shortened season where guys aren't resting as much and there's not as much of a volume of games being spit at you. Right. You know, the NFL, they, they take 16 days out of your, out of your life. You know what I mean? When they come on that. So of course their ratings never take this huge dip. You know, when the NFL is coming, it's kind of like podcasting, right? Like they always say like, be consistent, release on the same days. That's what the NFL does. 16 days out of the 16 Sundays out of the year, you tune in and watch the NFL. They own an entire day of the week. So basketball is a little bit different. Their primetime games will come on Wednesdays, Fridays, Sundays, like, you never really know. They're and really late too. Right. And then with all of your talent being in the West for so long, especially when one of those teams was the Warriors, all their games start at 1030. How many people are staying up to watch that? You know what I mean? So I mean, where if you're going back, exactly. It was hard for me to stay up and watch those games. Um, you know, the bubble has actually made it easier because now they're starting yeah. at nine. But if you go back and you think about it, like Miami, when, when, uh, you know, the NBA was in its prime of ratings 2012. Where was LeBron? Miami. The Heat. They were not only were they the best team in the league, they were the villain of the league, right? Everybody wanted to see the Heat lose. And the best player on the planet was in Miami, playing at 8 o'clock every night. You know what I mean? In a major market. Yeah, that kind of stuff matters. It drives up ratings. Um, the one thing I, I didn't like about Strauss's article is the – all of us, a lot of it really towards the end is kind of blaming China. So he, he, he does address, you know, maybe some of these people are protesting because of Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. Um, I don't think that's it. I think that's a very small minority of people that are doing that. Um, and if you look at the trends of how many people agree with the Black Lives Matter movement, they're, they're certainly in the minority at this point. Uh, so that isn't the issue. And when you factor in that this is an ongoing trajectory in it downward since 2012 that was really you know black lives matter didn't really even exist to per yeah. se you know at that point or that movement really other than the trayvon martin thing 
this really wasn't a thing, you know what I mean? And the NBA certainly wasn't embracing it at that point, other than, you know, LeBron maybe saying some things about Trayvon Martin, but other than that, it wasn't driving any there. That hasn't been the issue until really this year. So that can't really be it. Then he cites the China thing. And that to me is where I disagree strongly. And he, he has kind of, he, he throws out the data, 78% of Americans, I guess, like disconnect with China or whatever the case may be. They don't like China. Um, and I get that, but literally no one cared about the China situation until the rockets deal, right? When Maury came out and, supported the Hong Kong thing. That's when that became mm. popular. Your ratings were already dropping before that. So, you know what I mean? Like, and the people that honestly, the people that pretend to care about their alliance, their alignment with China are the same people who are protesting because of black, you know what I mean? The black lives matter movement. These are the same people that you see in the comments. They say, Oh, well, you guys can stand up for, you know, human rights for black people. But when it comes to China, you're silent. Yeah. So that's really the same demographic that's making that case, in my opinion, uh, at least from my experience and what I see. Yeah. So just real quick, Mike, maybe I can even turn this to you. So to me, though, it is the same. I think China is just another uh, you know, thing on top of all this other stuff. So you're right. The Black Lives Matter de- didn't necessarily you know, come to fruition in this large national scale until this year. But I think that he pointed to something in the piece about how football phrases itself as America's game and baseball is the national America's national pastime kind of thing. And maybe, you know, I'm just the idea that the NBA is too black or something like this, you know, these old kind of, you know, whatever you want to call them, but you know, maybe that is something where America still, as I said, kind of earlier, these people that are turned off by that maybe see the NBA is too black and that kind of turns a lot of these, you know, whatever you want to call them off. And I think that maybe that, you know, that, that is the trajectory has been more of uh, putting the stuff in people's faces that maybe they don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think, um, you know, when we talk about the black lives matter movement and this, you know, all these people who, you know, are, is there a lot of people who are not watching the NBA because of the politics of everything, you know, that number is probably high. If you polled a hundred people and asked them directly, are you, you know, so anti Black Lives Matter that you're not going to watch the NBA? You're probably going to get, you know, 10 who say yes. And then you're going to have another 15 to 25, probably, you know, just if we just match this up with Trump's polls, you're probably going to have a strong 35%, right? I think there's probably 35% of this country who, who would say, I'm not going to watch it because of this. And how they're doing it, I don't like it, you know, whatever, quote unquote, the antics, you know, it's bullshit, but that's right. what they'll say. might not say. even pull that way, but the, you know, might, you know, might still right. honestly affect them. Yeah. Uh, of course, of course. And, and, you know, and the China thing is, is, is a, you know, it's, it's a reach of an argument, you know, that's just, you're deflecting to, to say something else yeah. to be, you know, to, to be a hundred percent transparent, you know, the NBA could have handled the China thing better. And, you know, they probably should have taken a, a stronger stand with Hong Kong. They probably should have. Now, they don't have to. They don't have to. And it's a bad argument for anybody to say that you can't talk about Black Lives Matter because you won't talk about China. That's not really how it works, right? Like, we're logical people. We can think things through. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's it, Todd. Maybe that's it. Maybe people are, are saying, I just can't get on all the way with this. You know, honestly, I, I think that there's a lot of other mitigating factors, too, 
Yeah, yeah he, and he named some in the piece, the streaming thing uh, with the cable cutters. You know, and he mentions it and he says there's no, re- no real way to quantify how many people are doing this and if that's a serious, you know, demographic of people. It's probably more than what we even imagine that are watching these games online illegally. I know that throughout college, that's what we were doing for all these games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people are doing that. I'm sure that a lot of people, you know, and, and you can't – now, that's still going to hurt the ratings, though. At the end of the yeah. day, like, we can list these reasons. The bottom line is still going to get hurt here. Yeah. So, I, um, you know, whatever, however you slice it, it's not good for the NBA. Yeah. So – you know, I don't know what the fix is because I, th- I don't know that you can really pinpoint what it is. Um, you know, I, and I think really what it's going to come down to and probably what Adam Silver will have to do is reinvent how um, the league is structured, which they were probably going to have to do anyway, right? Because of the pandemic. You know, now's the time it's to play try some tournament. Right, exactly. Now that now's the time to maybe try some new things, maybe a. Yeah, um, you know, sixty-five. Yeah, I think cut it down to sixty-five. Um, they had flirted with a mid-season tournament idea. That could be something. Um, you know, keep the playing games. People seem to like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they have to make some rule changes too. Um, I certainly don't want to see a four-point line. I think that would uh, that would no. make it ten times worse. I saw that idea floated out by I think Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Oh I, I think that would make it ten times worse. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, me, I, I certainly think something needs to be done about the flagrant fouls and, and technicals. Porzingis Review, replay. was absurd. Get, with, yeah. get rid of all replay. Well, see, and that's the thing. Maybe In all sports. And maybe having bad or wrong calls is better for ratings than getting the calls yeah. right. Oh, it most out- certainly is. I think just, that just outrage – yeah, I, th- I think that outrage, you know, of your team – you know, possibly losing on, you know, uh, a missed call and talking about it for the next year makes you want to watch a sport more. Yeah, it's, Eli, it's you, strange, you watch, but like, <laughs> shout out Saints fans. Eli, Eli, you, <laughs> right. Eli, Eli, you watch ESPN FC, right? Seventy-five percent mm-hmm. of that show is, is arguing calls. Of yep, yeah, and arguing just, with VAR. <laughs> yeah, and they have yeah. they have replay review and they just they argue it anyway. So I think they should get rid of all of it. Yeah. So, or, or certainly like completely limited to like, Oh, unless you like embarrassingly miss something like the saints pass interference. I don't even, I don't know how you miss that, but you know what I mean? Things like that. Maybe is that what replay should be downgraded to? And yeah, I think that might help a little bit less stoppages in the games, things like that. So let's get moving on to our next topic. Today is about overreactions uh, that were that NBA Twitter. I'm going to blame NBA Twitter. Uh, because every year in the playoffs, we have these massive overreactions. Game by game, it happens. Uh, a player's ranking goes all over the place uh, throughout the playoffs. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with Damian Lillard, the bubble MVP, by far playing the best basketball on the planet right now. I don't think that can be disputed. Um, but the narrative now is that Dame is not only the best point guard in the league, but a top five player, and in some people's cases, the best player in the in in the world, is is if we you know, obviously you got to factor in what he's doing right now. That's important. But is Dame overall top five player in the league? Is this a overreaction, or are people on the right side or or ahead of the wave here? 
Mike? No, I'm kicking it to Todd first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, I don't think – I think that, yes, he, right now he – I would I 100% agree that he is playing the best basketball in the world at this moment during this bubble stretch. I think that top five, no, I wouldn't put him there just from like a – like going into next year, I guess how I'm looking at it. I, I still would not put him as like a top five player. Yeah. Uh, but I think that he, you can make the case, I think maybe top seven, top six. I think he's crack. He's 100% cracking the top 10 now, which maybe in, oh, yeah. you know, years past, he probably would not have, but I think that right now he is definitely top seven for me, I'd say. Okay. Mike. I, so I watched that game last night and I've watched pretty much all of these bubble games. I cannot make a case that Anthony Davis is a better player than Damian Lillard. I cannot make a case that I'd rather have Anthony Davis on my team than mm-hmm. Damian Lillard. I would want to. I, I just would have, rather have Dame. Now I'm not saying Dame is wow. the best player in the league. He's not the best player. I don't in the disagree. League. Yeah. But certainly right now, as things are, and as I, you know, if we're if we're judging this, including the past two weeks in these playoffs here, I think I'd rather have Damian Lillard. And if that makes him a top five player, I don't know. You know the 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 rankings. I think Davis is probably normally. a about top five, yeah. four or five, right? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, Mike, let's take it a step further. Is he better than a healthy Steph Curry? No, he's not. He's no. not. He's not. Man, I, well, you know, we'll see what Steph comes back like. Now, if you're, if we're saying healthy Steph Curry, as in, Throughout you know, career. the last Steph Curry we saw. I don't think he's better. Now, now, now the, the real argument could be if you put Steph on these Blazers right now, would they, they be an do eight seed? Would they be an eight seed number one? <laughs> but would they be, you know, have a real shot to beat the Lakers in the first round? Now that might mean that might, we might be talking more saying more about the Lakers than the Blazers when we ask that question. Uh, but if you switch them, if you switch Dame and put them on the Splash Brothers, do they win those championships? Yes. I think it's I think it's closer than than what we thought anyway. It's closer than what we thought. I'm still taking Steph. I still think uh, he's the better you know true point guard. I still think I'd rather have him on the team. You know the, you know the defense is a wash, uh, but I just think you know he's probably a better shooter. He's probably a better passer. Actually, he's definitely a better passer. I think I'd much rather have him facilitating, and I think I'd rather have him just getting my team involved i think i'd rather have steph I, I, on my team i'd rather take steph todd who are you taking so to me uh going forward let's start with that so just going forward from healthy steph curry going on from now i'm 100 percent taking dane but that you know whatever that might not be a shock but i i'm of the mindset that if you take damian lillard and stephen curry and swap them i think it it's a push like i think that they I think Dame can do what Steph did in Golden State with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. I think it plays out exactly the same. Uh, they have similar numbers, both in the playoffs and just career in general. Looking at them, it comes down to, you know, the accomplishments of winning. I don't, th- I don't think that Steph on these Blazers would be doing as well, quite honestly. I think that Dame has the higher, like, upside of taking over the game even though, you know, Steph obviously has done his fair share of that. But I think I want – I don't know. I think – I wouldn't say that Dane is better, but I would say that it is – if you if 
you gave me one or the other, I would not have a gripe either way. I think that they are just about as close as you can get to production value, all that things. And like I said, if you, if you switch them, I think Dane could do just exactly what Steph did there. Oh man. Way to sit on a fence. Way to sit on okay. a fence. Well, right. Okay. Right. Fine. 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 No, okay. Fine. You're right. You're right. You're right. Oh Dane. My That's my final Dane. Give me Dane. Okay. Listen. If I had to pick, give me Dane. Gun to my head. Who do I want? I want Dane. Who's about to light you up? Okay. So, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> obvious who I'm going to take here, right? In the last five years, there are two players that have been put out of the playoffs by one guy on a consistent basis. That is James Harden Kevin Durant. and Damian Lillard. In hmm. the last five years with – well, Dame didn't get put out by KD last year. He sure. got put out by Steph Curry. He got lit the, up by Steph Curry. That got <laughs> bad and ugly. Quick. And with – if you ask me – what was really the biggest – what was the big difference between those teams? Like, Golden State is better defensively. That's about it. But if you're talking Dame and CJ versus Steph and Clay, like, Clay's better than CJ McCollum. But, like, you know what I mean? It's it's your backcourt versus my backcourt, and my backcourt sweeps you. So, you know, and, and Steph had a lot to do with that. He had a great series. Um, yeah. I think I would take Steph and – not because I'm biased, but here's – why so dame lillard analytically is one of the worst point guards in basketball like steph curry gets a bad rap for his defense wait, wait, dame wait, lillard's wait, even wait, worse wait, wait, wait. wait coop's going to the analytics <laughs> exactly so <laughs> and and don't even get me started on cj but those oh, two yeah. analytically are are two of the worst defensive guards in the league like Dame and Dame, Steph Curry, you can blame his defense on. He's just not big enough, strong enough, quick enough, right? Like he doesn't really have the athleticism. There's really no excuse for Dame to be as bad as he is defensively. Like Dame has good foot speed. He's strong. Like he should be able to body people up. There's really no excuse for why he's as bad. Like don't get me wrong. He's a bucket on the other end, but defensively he's even worse than Curry. If yeah. you ask me um, and offensively, Steph Curry is much healthier for your offense than Damian Lillard. Um, and this comes down to like, you know, the, the ball dominant point guard pandemic that is happening in basketball right now. Uh, I think we have to factor in how much more Dame's stats are inflated because he plays in an offense that he has the ball in his hands for 75% of the game and CJ has it the other 25, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, other, and then you're really just standing. And that's not necessarily healthy offense um, is, is when Dame is, you know, having the ball the entire time. So I think his stats are inflated by that. Um, and yet they still put up similar numbers where Steph Curry's, you know, usage rate probably isn't nearly the same as Dame's is. That's just, you know, and if you look at it, who's the better shooter? It's Steph by far. I know Dame, you know, has, has, drastically improving in that area even though he's always been a good shooter he's up there like I think he's probably one of the top five shooters in the league right now with the way he's shooting the ball maybe but Stephen Curry is the best of all time so he doesn't really have you there who's the better ball handler I don't know I think you you could go either way I'd probably argue Steph has the flashier handle um, but you know I think the better passer is also Curry even though it might not show in the in the stats again that's a lot due to ball dominance. 
Um, mm-hmm. And Steph's assist numbers were higher when he played under, you know, Mark Jackson, who ran more, less of a motion offense and more of a pick and roll offense, mm-hmm. things like that. So, you know, I think those kind of things have to come into, into play. Uh, but at the end of the day, with or without KD, Steph has consistently put Dame out of the playoffs for five years straight now. That's true. I, I just think that it comes down to organizations. I think Dame is a statistically worse defender because the team that Portland puts around him is consistently so much worse. I think – and that, that's going to affect you. And even the, the, the point guard, you know, Dame's a jack kind of thing. I'd rather, I think if Dame was playing with Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Iguodala, shooters, spacers, and a great system designed for Dame, I think that he – I think that he can do the similar things. I think it comes down to – that Portland has failed him in a lot of ways with putting a, a good team around him. And maybe that's not Portland's yeah. fault, whatever. I mean, it's Portland. Yeah. But I just think that all of those things can, to an extent, be, you know, just – I think it's the organization. It's, it's, it's the Portland. It's the teams that put around him that, you know, hasn't let Dane, you know, reach the levels that, you know, Steph has. And, you know, who's – I don't know. Who, who's Dane's second best uh, – teammate of all time LaMarcus probably LaMarcus Close. Yeah. it was really C- good CJ. when they were together oh absolutely C- CJ right below yeah. it yeah but they don't scratch the surface of a Kevin Durant or a Clay Thompson I think well I mean Port- we can't blame Portland I don't think I think they've tried like you know they've and they've drafted pretty well I would say LaMarcus Aldridge was a good pick um, CJ was a good pick at number 10 compared to the other guys that went ahead of him in that draft. Um, I think the CJ and Dame experiment might have to end just because neither of them is a defensive stopper. They need yeah, a I wing. Think, yeah, so you, you, you need a yeah. wing. and I, So I think it might be time for them to move on from CJ, which, you know, Dame might not necessarily like, but I think he needs a Clay Thompson type, you know, it doesn't have to be Clay Thompson, but like another two way guard who's Mm going to take on the defensive load. You know what I mean? Where Dame's not guarding John Morant in the play in game. It's, you know, whoever is, his two guard is. Um, So, you know, I, I absolutely, that factors in Um, organizations absolutely matter. Um, But I think it goes both ways. Like, you know, the system that you play in helps you positively and negatively in ways where, you know, Steph would have way better numbers in a system where he has the ball in his hands more. But if he, you know, and, but Dame probably wouldn't have the same numbers, but he'd be more efficient. He'd probably be a little bit better defensively because, you know, he doesn't have to guard these elite point guards every night where Clay Thompson takes that load off of Steph, things like that. So I think it can go either way. Um, but well, I'm actually working on a uh, I'm working on a thesis about mid-major guards. They always suck at defense. They they never they never figure it out. I don't know if it's just because they didn't have it in college and they never they they never uh, like learned that stuff or you know they were such a scoring guard in college. Usually that's what happens when they get drafted mid-major guys. Yeah. yeah. Now, as we're going to transition this, how about the Blazers? The Blazers were talking about their defense. Well, they gave mm. up 93 points last night, Coop. Yeah, so that's an excellent transition into the next overreaction is that the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers in the first round of the NBA playoffs. You buying or selling, Todd? I'm selling. Lakers in six. That's what that, Lakers. That's what I had them in. Like, I'm, I wasn't surprised that they lost last night. The Blazers are playing better basketball right now, of course. That doesn't make Lakers, them a better team. 
Lakers shot 15% from three. I don't think that's going to continue. AD shot terribly from the field. He was going to do the line, shot terribly from the field. And overall, they looked super lost on offense. I think yeah. they figure all that stuff out. I think that as incredible as I just went on about Dame, I think you can only carry them so far. And see, my biggest thing was the Blazers have already been playing eight playoff games. This was like their ninth playoff game or 10th, whatever it was, basically, because it was every game had this level of intensity. The Lakers, since they've been to the bubble, messing around, haven't looked hot. I think as the series goes on, the Lakers will continue to look better and better. Can I make a case for the Blazers? Yeah. So if if the argument for the Lakers is they shot terribly last night and that's not going to continue. But the the Lakers, you know, they shot it terribly last night. Well, like, I don't have any reason to think that they won't continue to shoot it terribly. They don't really have any shooters. You know, Dion Waiters was supposed to be the guy who, who was the shooter for them, and he played one minute last night. I'm assuming that's going to change. He'll probably get a lot of KCP's minutes, who was terrible last night. Danny Green was pretty terrible last night. Um, Anthony Davis. Minus 20 last night. Like, they just don't have any continuity on offense right now. And and this is something that I have said on – I feel like every part we've talked about basketball is like, this is such a huge break for these guys. Like, yeah. from from the shutdown till now, it's like basically six months. Six yeah. months off almost now where where they weren't playing together. Like, that's a, that seems like a huge deal. They seem like they don't know what they're doing on offense yet. You know, we all talk about putting AD at the five full time and, and letting him work down low and doing the high low thing with LeBron. Vogel doesn't seem to want to go that way right now, or maybe he does and, and Davis won't AD, let him. Yeah. AD yeah. doesn't want him to maybe, but they, it looks like that's pretty much the only way to go right now. Now the Blazers, um, you know, we can say that they played great defense last night. In spurts, it looked like they were playing pretty good defense. Um, you know, we have talked about how they don't have any forwards to match up with the Lakers and how it's going to be a serious problem. Well, the Blazers gave up 100 points in 37 straight games, and then they gave up 93 to the Lakers last night. Like, I think this is more about the Lakers' offense right now. There are serious issues. They don't know what they're doing out there. There's, like, no sequences that you're like, oh, yeah, that, that looks like something that they've done – a hundred times over the course of the season. It all looks brand new to them. Yeah. Now the Blazers, um, you know, they didn't shoot the ball well either last night, really. You know, they only scored a hundred points. Like they're, they're the best offense in the bubbles that you would think they'd normally score more. They didn't shoot the ball that well. So I think if I looked at it and I said, you know, looking at game one, who, who is going to have the, you know, bounce back, or, you know, who am I saying, well, game one is an outlier, but the rest of the series is going to go like this. I don't really know if I have that answer yet. So to say that, you know, I'm probably, I'm probably, you know, it's a, you have to win four games to win the series. Blazers won one. So I'm probably 25% more bullish on the Lakers than uh, on the Blazers than I was. Uh, but they can definitely win this series. They can. I'm not. I, I don't think they will. I think at some point LeBron is gonna just do something. And we all have this thing in the back of our head where we're like, "Yeah, this is going pretty poorly." But LeBron's gonna do something. LeBron's gonna turn it on. Well, like you watched last night, we were texting about it. He wasn't getting by his man that easily. I know he get by Mello. 
and he had a triple-double, but he was not – you know, his first step did not look like uh, the LeBron James that we're used to in the playoffs. So it, us just assuming that playoff LeBron is going to come and save the day, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Yeah, I mean – Honestly, if we're, I think LeBron playing point guard is limiting his abilities. Um, if you really watch – and not only is he playing point guard, he's playing point guard with two centers, essentially. Like, Anthony Davis is a center, if we're being right. honest. Like, he's, he's a 2020 NBA center. And he's – but he, they're trying to force him at power forward. And LeBron's not able to get the ball in his spots. Like, you know, where do we normally see LeBron at his most effective? It's like, you know, where he can attack from the wing – um, or in that mid post area, right. Where he can like post up, square you up and, and shoot from mid range or take one dribble, get to the rim and finish. He does, he gets absolutely none of those touches now because he's the point. And there's two other big guys who are kind of patrolling and in, in, in that area, there's no spacing. Uh, and that's the biggest issue that they have is they're trying to force this, you know, Anthony Davis had to four lineup and it just doesn't work. And it's really just, it's that simple. There's Anthony Davis is worse when they play this lineup. And so is LeBron. Um, Anthony Davis is at his best in pick and roll situations where he can, you know, catch, he gets those lobs or he catches finishes or even in pick and pops. Like when he, he can step out and, and he can shoot the three, he's extended his range out there. Uh, but, you know, from, from LeBron's standpoint, he's never in the areas that he needs to be in order to, um, in order to dominate games. Uh, and th- at the end of the day, you can't have six foot nine, two hundred fifty pound LeBron trying mm-hmm. to run high pick and rolls all game and, and hoping that's going to make him, you know, his most efficient. And that's just that's not his game. It's never been his game. Um, you can still have him play like a like a point guard or point forward. But he can't, he can't be out at the top of the key the entire game. They need to find ways to move the basketball. Even if he's the one bringing it up, they got to be able to move the ball, get him to the wing or mid-post area um, where he can catch closer to the basket and make plays. And he'll still have the spacing because Anthony Davis can still, you know, float to the three and, and he'll have guys. And I think those guys will start to make more shots if there's better spacing on the floor. I think – you know, they don't really know when they're going to get the ball uh, because there's lack of movement, things like that. So Frank Vogel's got to figure something out with his offense, man, because they look awful. Probably worse in the league, if you ask me. Yeah, I think – I cannot believe I'm saying this, but, you know, shout out Hassan Whiteside because he played <laughs> great last night. I mean, that kills me. Literally, you have no idea how painful that is to say. But, uh, no, but he I did. Like, but last yeah. night, I mean, no doubt. like the two big lineups, favors Portland it just does uh you know Dwight he played all right he played all right but at the end of the day JaVale and Dwight not really not uh, yeah it, it was okay right it wasn't great I but I, they just I you can't do it I just think that you AD has got to go down to that five and we got to get Braun better matchups Braun posting up didn't happen very much I think that that like Mike was saying that first step is gone that explosive athleticism just was not there it hasn't been there uh, since the bubble, I think you need more LeBron post-up speeding out of that double. Uh, I just think, you know, the Lakers are in trouble if they don't change anything. But I, I agree. I think that basically, you know, if AD can go down to that five, they can get more consistency 
uh, from him finishing around the rim. I think more spacing is going to really help. But, uh, yeah, Portland right now is scary. That I mean, I was really impressed. It looked like I was watching a game in the 80s last night with all those seven-footers out there. Yeah. But, uh, and Nurk, I mean, Nurk is a problem. Nurk really is. And, I mean, the Lakers still, you know, won the rebounding battle. They still, you know, they control the offensive glass for the most part, and they still did a good job on the glass. But that inside defense, you know, with LeBron not being able to really get by people, and then I think two or three times Hassan met him at the rim – and send him mm. back once, especially in the clutch in the fourth. That really, you know, it was a big, big play. And even, you know, what, at the end of the day, though, I do want to say the Lakers were, I believe, up six with about six minutes left to go, six or seven minutes left. They were up. They had the lead. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, we're, I mean, you can say this every NBA, every, every NBA game, don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, LeBron or AD hits one of those threes at the end there. And I think, you know, whatever, it, it plays out differently. But, you know, so you could say the same for Portland. But I think that as the course of the series goes on, the Lakers are going to make the necessary adjustments. I think Danny Green, who was awful last night, will step up a little bit. And, yeah, yeah please, please, please less KCP. I want to at least see <laughs> Dion. I think Dion, Dion was at least promising in the bubble. Yeah. And it makes me – it does – it hurts to say that, yes, like, please, we're, we're helping Dion will, you know, put it over the top. But you just – you can't have KCP out there. That was – it was ugly. And Caruso, I love Caruso, but too many minutes. Too many minutes for, for Caruso last night. It's yeah. like, you know, we don't love Dion Waiters. But, like, who else in that team can create their own shot from the perimeter besides him and LeBron? And, right. and LeBron, you know, isn't the greatest at creating his own shot. So, like, what other guard – do they have that can create their own shot or play in a pick and roll situation yeah. and actually be a threat? You know, even if he goes one for 10, you know, I think you kind of have to live with that just to give your offense some other kind of dynamic, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Than, than what it has right now. So yeah. certainly, and, and these are issues we talked about, but the, the Lakers obviously have their issues. Yeah. Going forward. Rondo can, coming back. Maybe Rondo, can, you know, who knows if he can give a little bit. Oh, can I, can I say something that I haven't uh, heard said in, in months now, but might need to be said? Right. Anthony Davis is a free agent after this season. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, wait, 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 wait. Todd, you want, Todd, Todd, you want to act something out with me real quick, okay? Here, let, right. let's act this out, okay? Let's, I'll set the stage for you. It's game six no, just okay. ended. Game six just ended. Portland's moving on to the second round. The Lakers mm-hmm. lose. LeBron is in the shower. Um, okay. You're, you're, you're Anthony Davis sitting by your locker, mm-hmm. and, and I'm approaching you, assistant coach, uh, Jason Kidd, okay? Okay. Hey, D. That was a tough loss, man. Yeah, that was, that was rough. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, man, you know what's a beautiful city? Chicago. You ever been to Chicago? Mm-hmm. You're from Chicago, aren't you? I'm from Chicago. You're from yes, Chicago. Yes, I, I was yes. just talking. I was just talking. I guess they fired their head coach. So they're looking for one. I mm. was thinking about going to Chicago. What do you think? Me and you, Chicago? Let's do it. Well, uh, Coach Kid, I don't think you've ever been to Chicago in January or February. <laughs> and then I'd look outside the window and I'd see palm trees, beautiful women, and a beach. And I'm like, yeah. Well, okay, okay, I'm... okay, okay. Maybe I'll stay in LA. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm say, just... I can't say the thought hasn't won't cross his mind for sure. But uh, I think I think he knows what he's doing in LA. Yeah, and I think the Bulls are a bit young for him yeah. to yeah. want to play with that core. And Memphis has cap space. Atlanta has cap space. He's got options. Who was the he first does. team you said? Memphis. Memphis. Mm-hmm. 
that would be, be a better option. Yeah, that'd be tough. Maybe yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. But palm trees, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but there's strip clubs in Atlanta. Yeah, True. they got great Those wings. wings. They have great uh, wings, <laughs> legs, and thighs. <laughs> All right. So, last overreaction is the Bucks losing in the first round to the Orlando Magic. Buying or selling, Mike? Oh, I'm selling. I think they're going to win the next four or five, probably. They, uh, I mean, it's the Magic, right? Like, they're not, the Magic aren't going to. Is Terrence Ross ever going to play that well again in his life? <laughs> you know? Notorious hey, man, game I, one spoilers. <laughs> Hang yeah. on a second now. I'm a Terrence Ross guy. Okay. Former Raptor, former Raptor great, Terrence okay. Ross. All right. Fair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, game one spoilers. They beat Toronto last year, game one of the first round. So, yeah. I think that they're done at this point, though. Um, Milwaukee, you know, they do have things to figure out. I don't want to, you know, me saying that I'm, I'm selling, you know, the Magic having a chance. Magic don't have a chance. They're going to lose the next four or five. There's no way. There's no way it goes more than six games. You know, if they steal another one, I'll be surprised. But, um, you know, Milwaukee does have issues. Milwaukee does have issues for sure. Uh, The rotation, it looks like they're not really sure what they want to do with their rotation right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't really know who fits with who right now. And that's another thing that goes back to, you know, taking six months off, you kind of have to refigure these things out. Um, Giannis, hey, you know what? And we say all the time, you know, build a wall, build a wall, build a wall. Sometimes it works. So, yeah. You know, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes he's able to beat it because, you know, he is like the best player in the world, maybe one of the three, certainly. So he's able to beat it a lot of the time, but sometimes it works. Uh, and yesterday it kind of worked. And when nobody else is hitting shots, Middleton did not play well. Um, so, you know, I, I think they need to shorten their rotation and, and try to figure things out though. Um but, but yeah, uh, hey, how about the Bucks? I, I'm kind of worried for them. If I was them, I'm not worried overall. I hope they lose, but, you know, Miami I would be worried. Miami in the second round looks a lot mm. scarier. I will say that. Yeah, but that's like the nice thing about, you know, that's, that's the nice thing about the NBA playoffs. And part of the reason in the NBA playoffs every year we usually see a one or two seed in the finals from both sides of the bracket. Normally always we get that in the NBA finals. Part of it is, you know, they play seven-game series, usually the best team wins. But also part of it is they have seven-game series in the first round. So these better teams like Milwaukee and hopefully the Lakers uh, – well, I guess I shouldn't say hopefully, but, you know, for a Laker fan, hopefully, for a LeBron fan like Todd, hopefully, uh, they figure it out. But that's why, you know, they have a chance to figure it out over the course of this seven-game series. And I think that's probably what's going to happen here. Probably with both teams, I'm more – if you ask me who I think is more likely to figure it out in this first round, if it's the Lakers or the Bucks, I think the Bucks are more likely uh, to figure it out. And they don't have a chance of losing, which I think the Lakers actually have a real chance of losing. Yeah, yeah. agreed. What are your thoughts on the Bucks, Todd? Yeah, I'd say, you know, what's more likely, uh, Magic winning this series or the Bucks sweeping the next four games? I still think it's, you know, the Bucks winning the next four games. But yeah, I agree. I think this is one of those things well, – the Bucks do have problems, but what I will say is it seems like there's talk, like we always talked about the Bucks, Clippers and Lakers. I think they all have problems right now. Uh, I think the Bucks they got caught on a night, man. I just think they got caught one of those nights. Middleton didn't step up. They don't have a, a real perimeter playmaker out there to help them. They don't have that guard to really initiate something 
Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, it's one of those things where we were kind of tired of hearing build a wall, build a wall. Well, you know, it's not so easy. It's not as easy as just building a wall, but when it works, Giannis just looks, you know, he, he's usually looking immortal. He looked very mortal in that game. It just he one can't of those shoot. things. He can't shoot. And then that's the thing is what happens is he, he gets pressured into those really bad, like he's not a terrible necessarily catch and shoot, but most of the time when he's taking these jumpers, he's dribbling around, he's taking bad middies. And it's just ugly. And I think, you know, last night I was really disappointed with Middleton. And overall, I mean, whatever, it, it happens. You know, the, you know, Bucks haven't looked great in the bubble. Magic were mm-hmm. playing great. I think, like I said, this, it's the NBA. They caught him on a night. And I think the Bucks finish this out. But what I will say, Bucks lost, you know, for the first time ever, the two number one seeds lost to the eight seed in the game one, right? Yeah. And this is clearly speculation. But I think the Clippers had a – chance a pretty good chance of losing that game to dallas in game yeah. one as well kp doesn't get thrown out so it is what it is i think that basically toronto toronto's looking nice but i think that, we'll that, I think, uh, yeah okay hey, man I'm, I'm putting down you I'm, i like the odds right now i might I, I take toronto but uh yeah i just think it, it is what it is i think those two teams got caught but in the day they're both going to win their series but i do i agree with mikey 100 that the bucks i i believe have a better chance of kind of figuring this out a lot quicker than los angeles does i think the you know the big point forward type player might be a little bit overrated mm. yep i think it Can't causes lebron james i think it causes major spacing issues you know, yes, and and I think having one guy try to do so many different roles, you know, mm-hmm. your your leading scorer, your leading rebounder, your primary distributor of the basketball, which is what Giannis is. Same with, you know, LeBron in L.A. Ben Simmons is that type of player. Like the way you have to kind of structure your team around guys like that, I think, is more difficult. But that, I think that's an argument for another day. Um, but I, you know, the Bucks. I don't think they're going to lose this series because I think, you know, their talent will prevail eventually, but like, I'm not feeling so good about the second round for them uh, when they have to play Miami. There's just, there's no, uh, there's no fluidity offensively for the bucks. It's kind of just, you know, four guys standing around when Giannis has the ball and you hope he draws a double and then he kicks it and you're hoping not so great shooters make shots or it's, you know, you're relying on Chris Middleton maybe picking rolls or ISOs and yeah. don't, don't love that in any sense, <laughs> in any sense or way, you know what I mean? You, I don't, you don't want to see Chris Middleton in that kind of situation. You know, there's no, there's no ball movement. Like Giannis isn't really used as like a screener or any way to kind of free other people up. It's just, it's a lot of standing. And those kind of offenses are easy to figure out. And if Giannis isn't, completely dominant like even though he had 31 and 15 and he's not a good shooter but he shot three for seven from the three which is like better than you could ever ask from him actually he had, he had 17 rebounds he had 31 17 and seven and that still wasn't enough to get you a win <laughs> he's an animal yeah i mean that's a concern you know we talked about our confidence level in in the additional guys right on the on a previous episode chris middleton four for 12 you know, you're supposed to be an all-star caliber player and the second best player on this team. 14 points on 12 shots is never going to cut it. Eric Bledsoe, five for 11, 15 points, one for five from the three, you know, and that's the yeah. issue here. It's not enough, not enough spacing, not enough movement, not enough guys involved. 
helping him yeah. out. I think, I think for them, you know, more than anybody else, it starts on defense for them. Yeah. And, they, and they're this great defensive team. Yep. And how Giannis is able to do the things he does is a lot of it's just rebound, go, transition. I'm down, you know what I'm saying? You can't get set up and I'm to the hoop already. You can't build a wall. You can't build a wall because I'm already through where the wall's supposed to be. And right. I'm either kicking it or I'm, you know, dunking it, like right. Todd says. But when he's in these five-on-five five sets and they're not getting stops, which they were not getting a lot of stops at all in game one there, I think they'll probably get more in the following games, which is why I think that they'll figure it out. You know, but when they're not getting stops and he has to do this thing where it's five-on-five five and, like, you guys have hooped against, you know, when you have a guy out there who can't shoot, you know, the best thing you can do against him and the word, and the thing that he'll hate the most is if you're guarding him and you're playing six feet off of him and you're like, oh, fuck it, dude, shoot it if you want to. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like, I'm sure Giannis is just in his head like, oh, I'm going to have to shoot all these threes. And if I can't make these threes, like, well, what am I going to do in these five-on-five sets? Like, this is, yeah, yeah. is going to be an issue for them. That, uh, But, like, you know, it starts on defense. I think defense is the first priority. I think if you fix the defense, not even fix the defense, quote-unquote, but get stops, you know, the offense kind of takes care of itself when you have Giannis. Yeah. And I, I think the Brooke Lopez playing 30 minutes needs to just stop. Like, what does he give you? He's not even that I, – I understood it. I think it was, like, last year. He shot the lights out, right? Yeah. So, like, it made sense to have him on the floor as a stretch five. Dude, 30 minutes and he's two for nine, five points and four rebounds. Like, he's just taking up space at this point. He's just – he's running up and down the court doing nothing. Yeah. Get him off the floor, man. Like, those are the kind of thing. And he's, he's certainly not a, a plus for you on defense. He's not going to be able to def- – he can't defend Vucevic in any way. You know, they they, they dis- Vucevic destroyed him, especially in pick Vucevic and pop. Vucevic is tough. Yeah I, yeah, I love his game. But, I mean, they killed him in, in pick and pops. And not just, like – I'm not talking about just, like, pick and pops from, like, the ball handler. Like, he was setting these down screens and stuff like that for Terrence Ross or these, like, cross screens. And every time two people ran at Ross or they sagged off and tried to help on Ross because he was doing such a good job moving without the ball, he just popped right to the three-point line and was getting open shots the entire time. Like, Brooke Lopez doesn't have the foot speed to help on a curl cut and then be able to recover to, to Vucevic. So get him off the floor. Yeah. Especially if he's not going to do the same thing on the other end and help you in pick-and-pop situations or be able to make shots when, when spacing the floor. Um, I think they're another team that needs to go to a, a smaller lineup. Put Giannis at the five, get as many shooters around him as possible, switch everything on defense, um, and, and rock out that way. Yeah, but we good for your Raptors, Mike. Just yeah, definitely. But just to tie this in to the conversation we had uh, at the beginning of this podcast, well, like this is why all these teams are going to this (laughs) yeah space and three because it works. It works, right? It works. Like the numbers are showing us, like this is the best way to do this. A lot of the time is have four shooters out there and shoot a lot of threes, and have one guy who can penetrate and kick, and the rest of the guys can be great spot-up shooters and it works but then you know the backlash to it is it's not that you know fun baseball is kind of seeing this too actually yeah just not to, not to dive into baseball but they're having this thing where everybody now is worried about launch angle and exit velocity and it you know it works you hit more home runs but you also strike out a lot more when that's your worry 
And what it does is it makes the games a lot more boring because it's just strikeouts and home runs, kind of like the NBA where you have, you know, space to floor with all these shooters. It's just threes or miss threes and high volatility in the score. So, you know, on one hand, on one hand, it works. On the other hand, it's not so aesthetic. Yeah. I think you need to find a balance um, to where you're not solely relying on the three, like the Rockets, um, but you have enough spacing for your best players to operate, especially if you have like a Giannis, a LeBron and AD, like Mm -hmm. most teams don't have like super dominant, like post or, you know, guys who dominate the paint like that. So like the Warriors don't have to play that kind of a style. They shoot a lot of threes, but like compared to a lot of teams in the league, they don't, even though they have the two best shooters in the world, you know what I mean? There's still movement and they get the best looks from three, right? That's just why their percentages are usually better. I think that's kind of where if you, but if you have a guy like Giannis or LeBron, these guys who need the ball in their hands and they need it like closer to the basket because they're not great shooters, then you have to go with smaller lineups with more shooting to maximize their effectiveness. Cause then they can dominate. They can truly dominate games because you can't really help on them. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. Yep. Yeah. Rockets looked real good game one though. They did. They did. And OKC looked bad. Like they just, they didn't look like they were even playing their style. Like everybody was just kind of standing, looking confused. SGA did not show up at all, man. At all. Yeah. Steven Adams off the court, man. That's what the Rockets do to you, though. Yeah. Which, you know, we'll see how that goes. And I think OKC will have to do a better job controlling the pace of the game and getting him more involved, but also getting SGA more involved. Yeah, I think that's yeah. going to be crucial for them in game two. Well, I think the biggest thing for the Thunder is uh, if Russell Westbrook can come back and play for Houston again. Once he comes back on Houston, uh, Thunder might start winning some games. <laughs> <laughs> jab, jab, jab. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to sit that one out. <laughs> All right. So I think that's a good place to stop. Um, Todd, thanks again, man, for coming on the pod. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always a blast being here. And Mike, any thoughts about the anything you want to add in, things we got going on with the network? Uh, yeah, big thing. New podcast launched today, Beast Woo. Gaming, an eSports podcast. So if you're into eSports and, and gaming reviews and uh, the different eSports leagues, we have a new podcast uh, on all platforms available and also on our YouTube channel um that's really cool one he dropped his first episode i was listening to it today definitely learned some stuff about esports i didn't know um it's it's interesting stuff it really is yeah Uh, go to allinnetwork.net you can find all of our podcasts links to all the different apple spotify links um, as well as to the youtube channel where you can find all of our podcasts including rain and bliss all in politics ourselves um beast gaming and real drill radio Yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the all in podcast. Uh, We appreciate you guys uh, giving us your time and we will see you again on Monday.